like you said, it was a big risk. I didn't really know what I was getting into, didn't really know what I was doing. And both times, both going to New England and then spending that first chunk of the season in Europe, like as far as being a racer, the biggest steps I ever made in performance, it was like in the years following each of those. everyone good morning welcome to the muddy mondays series on the fever talk podcast this week we're doing things a little bit differently david and i are currently preparing to go to europe in one week and we just came back from massachusetts for the final round of the u.s cyclocross series and we've been going full gas ever since. So we're full gas into training before going to Europe, but also preparing everything, packing the house for three months for the winter, finalizing all the appointments that we need to have done. So busy times over here. And therefore, we're doing something a little differently for this episode. David was not able to join because he's the one taking care of most of the appointments while I'm home training. So, we're doing the recap of the event with the one and only Michael Vandenham. Um, Mike is a good friend of ours. He's a Canadian. He's been Canadian national champion for many years. And Mike announced this year that this would be his last cyclocross season as a full-on professional cyclocross rider because he has also, he has um, accepted a role as the new Cycling Canada national team coach for cyclocross and this weekend was his almost last weekend of racing so we thought it would be really fun to chat with Michael chat about the the weekend a little bit but mostly about his career um, so I hope you will enjoy it thank you for listening and let's go to this conversation with Mike Van Enham. We have a guest, so we're doing something special today, and I'm excited about it because it's everyone's favorite cyclocross racer who is joining us today, Michael Vandenham. So, Mike, welcome. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Hey, thanks very much, Magali, and everyone's favorite cross racer. I think I used to be everyone's second favorite Canadian, so oh, that the, seems like oh, a you're solid... the second favorite. Yeah, uh-huh, second... that's what it is. Yeah, so you're either first or something worse than second, so you'll have to choose what you are. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to ask Bill, but you know, you're a very likable person, so I don't think it's a stretch to say you're many people's favorite cyclocross racer. Um, Mike, well, I think, so normally what we do on the Muddy Mondays, so there, I have like two things. Fever Talk, we just like go on full on interview. Muddy Mondays, we kind of recap the weekends a little bit. Um, but now I think we sh- can do both. So like, let's recap the weekend quickly at first. But then, I mean, that was like your last double weekend of racing cyclocross, was it? Yeah, yeah, it was, which is actually, I don't think I've really wrapped my head around that, to be totally honest. Like this yeah. weekend's coming up and it's just one day and I'm like, wait, you mean I'm like, that's it? Really? That happened all so quickly? But yeah, that was my last double weekend. Yeah. So, I mean, we want, I, I would really like to come back on that, like your feeling towards that, but also like your whole career. I think there's fun things to talk about. So first, let's, let's talk about really rad. What do you, how, how was your weekend? What do you, what do you like the most about the really rad weekend of cyclocross? 
Oh, I I think it's hard to it's hard to argue with the location, right? Like, there's not that many opportunities we have where the course itself isn't right on on the ocean, but you don't have to go very far to be there.、Mm-hmm. And I saw that you and Dave,、um, you know, were out on the beach a few times with Mia running around. Like, I I live close-ish to an ocean, I guess, on the west coast, and I don't know. There's something cool about just being being on the opposite coast, racing cross.、Um, yeah. There's also a lot of people there, which I thought was really cool.、Uh, it seemed、yeah. like, as far as spectators and everything going on, like it was, it was a busy race, and that's it's just a lot more fun. I think I don't know if you've talked about this before, but like the big races, the big races are fun to be at, and it's something about like having a lot of people in the crowd that I don't think I actually go any harder, but it's just I don't know makes the racing more enjoyable. I agree, and it I think like I mean it's New England and. It was always kind of the heart of the North American cyclocross, I think, like in the past, and I, I think it still is. Like there, there's so many people that love cross over there, and I have a few friends in that community, and they also like that was probably one of their biggest weekend of racing. But they have smaller, kind of local races, but big local races all the time, like the Pumpkin Cross and the Night Weasel and this and that, like just fun, really cool local scene. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm similar. For me, like every time I go in that crowd in that scene, I just yeah, yeah. I guess it's because where it's where I started to, but it always feels special to me to go back there. Yeah, me me too. In some ways, like I think before I ever even imagined racing in Europe, like New England was 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 Europe before I knew that I could race in Europe. If that makes sense, right? Like same for me. Yeah, you know, when you're coming from somewhere in Canada, that's where the biggest racers were all competing and like. That was when there was like behind the barriers and the who's number one and all this stuff, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like that's that's where cyclocross happens. So yeah, it's, I, I mean, yeah. that's funny because we're about the same age. So I'm the same. Like I grew up watching all of this and behind the barriers and thinking like, "Oh my god!" Like will I ever be able to go there? And then one like, will I ever be in the who's number one? And that, like then you go and it's just like yeah, there's I, always been there's something special. Did you ever make who's number one? I never made who who's number one. Really? I、no. think I I think I made it, but definitely not on the number one. <laughs> just like somewhere, <laughs> somewhere they mentioned my name. I think, but yeah, yeah, that was good memories.、Um, okay, cool.、Uh, anything? But spe- I mean, let's talk about that. You were on the podium、yeah. on day one, which is awesome. Like fighting for the win with Curtis for quite a. Long time in the race,、um, and I think you mentioned on Instagram this was your first UCI podium since 2019. That's pretty so, cool. I was totally wrong on that. Apparently, I just、okay. forgot about the podium I got in 2021. It's just like、okay. blank from my memory. <laughs> but yes, it felt like a really, really long time. As I don't know, you don't get on a podium for like a few months, and it, like you forget that you were ever there sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. it so- was. It was nice. Good. And then what happened on day two? So you guys, we—I mean, it was muddy for everyone, which which was awesome. Like I never experienced this race in the mud before. And to be honest with you, I never. When it started raining, I was like, "Oh, it's so sandy over there. I don't think it will even get slippery." But it got slippery quick,、uh, very quick, and it made for I think a really fun, fun race. I love it when it's two completely different days. It just—I don't know. I think there's like kind of a slug sometimes on day two, like the energy from everyone is a bit lower, and you're like, okay, like let's try to crank myself up to do 
the exact same thing as I did yesterday. And sometimes, I don't know, I, I feel like sometimes it's a bit harder to like pump myself up. But then when the rain came, it's like, okay, well, now it's game on. And suddenly, like the energy comes back and it's just like, I don't know, it makes it really fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it got wet really quickly, like when it started raining at noon or 11 o'clock or something. And I think the forecast was calling for like a couple millimeters of rain and There was so much more than that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But I crashed in like the first corner, the second corner. It's just, it was like this big sweeping U-turn thing. And I don't think any of us had seen it really when it was as slippery as it was. And I, yeah. I don't know, someone crashed in front of me. I don't know if I hit them first or like corrected and slid out or whatever. It doesn't matter, right? But I went yeah. down and then was just kind of chasing for the rest of the race, which I'll admit is like a little fun sometimes. Because you just get to, like, you're passing people for a big chunk of the race. But, of course, I never actually made it back to the front. So, that's too bad. Yeah, and for you, like, it was quite, it was pretty tight for the USCX series overall, mm -hmm. right? Like, with you and a couple other guys. So, like, was that playing in your head? Were you pretty nervous about that? For did, sure. Did you know, like, where exactly you had to finish to be on a podium? I wouldn't say I knew exactly. But I knew that I was, like only a handful of points up on Jules Van Kempen, who had beat me the day before. And I think if he beat me again, we would have been tied on points. Like if he beat me by one placing again, we would have been tied on points. And I don't think either okay. of us had any idea what happened in the event of a tie. Like it's probably in the no, tech guide, because, but I don't know. Yeah. If, well, I, don't I don't know, know either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, unfortunately for Jules, he went down in the same crash. So I guess like we were on, Well, I think he actually hit the deck harder than I did, but we were on like more or less even footing there. But I also knew okay. that I couldn't finish that far behind Caleb Schwartz because he was like 10 points behind me or something like that. So it's about two points or it's about four points per placing. So I was like, okay, I need to finish like within a handful of places of him. So nice. when I connected with Caleb, who was riding in third for a big chunk of the race, I kind of like connected with him with a few other people. I was like, okay, this is probably okay. Like I just need to, I just need to stay around here and you know, it would have been yep. great to get third, but fifth was okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, pretty good coming back from the, from, from the back. And I think, I mean, that part is a fun part about having a series too. I think like every race has a bit more meaning and I don't like, I know you did the USC series last year. I, I did not, Um, but being a part of it this year, I have to say, like, I'm really thankful for the organizers to like that got together to organize that because I think it really elevated the level, but also elevated the engagement of everyone in each race and like each race mm -hmm. is more important. So I don't know if you agree or if you have like any highlights or anything you'd like to share about the US series, but I do think it was like, yeah, just, it's really cool and important for a sport to have something like that to chase i i totally agree and i think i think the highlights for me in a lot of ways are like that one i'm really surprised every time i come back i like to do local races when i go home i haven't been able to do any yet this year but i will and i'm always surprised like when the races are televised at how many people watch them and are excited to watch them right hmm. and like and talk to me specifically about like oh we saw you in the uscx like you know following Curtis it was really exciting and then the other thing I really love is that my like my parents are in Manitoba and they do come to a few races every year but they are like they're pretty diligent about watching the USCX stuff and I got a text from both my parents you know right after the race on Saturday 
um, my dad was something along the lines of like, I thought your mom was going to have a heart attack. She was cheering so hard, you know? And yeah. I don't know. That stuff, like, that's special to me because I, I, I don't know. It's your parents cheering you on. And I, and I think that they value being able to, like, see what I do as well. So, you know, personally, yeah. that's just, it's like, it's a cool thing. And, like, I think it's just good for the sport that you can watch these races and so many so many of them have been pretty exciting this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you touched on something really cool. And yeah, similarly, like I didn't think many people were watching them. But the other day, actually like yesterday, I walked into the local bike shop. To, I needed some cleats. And the the race was playing on their TV in the shop. And I was like, oh, this is... I mean, actually, I read... As I came in, I saw a replay of myself face planting, like total face in the dirt and I was like oh amazing <laughs> but I thought it was cool and I think you know when we talked just a little bit earlier about the New England scene and both of us were watching behind the barriers and things like that well who knows maybe now the kids that are a bit younger than us are watching these races thinking like oh like this is what I want to be a part of this is like the level that I want to be so we I think we don't always know the impact but I think you're right. I think more people than we think are watching them. And thanks to those guys, there is something to watch and something to get behind. And yeah, hopefully it gets a lot of people excited about, about yeah, coming themselves race or cheer or cyclocross in the future. Mm, I, yeah. I think we're both on this, like, we just want to see the sport. We love cross, both of us, right? It's pretty clear. Like yep. we just want it to be bigger and more people to get involved in it. Cause it's, I, I, I totally agree. I love Yeah seeing all that stuff when I was a kid and like could have only dreamed of being on this platform later on. So it's sometimes like with, with everything, be it a season goal or a life goal, you like lose track maybe of its impact as you get older. But mm -hmm. I think if, if like 18 year old me knew that I was like racing on TV at the USCX, they'd be pretty pumped about that. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, we could talk a lot about really rad, but there's something more exciting and that's you. So let's talk <laughs> about that. Um, so you said it's the, it's the end of your career in, as a pro cyclocross racer. I know mm -hmm. you, you're still going to race, but maybe, like, can you explain that a little bit? What What's your plan? And also, how did you know that this was it for you? Like, how did that come to you? Because I, I, I'm always wondering, like, when will I know and how? And, yeah. Yeah, I think... Okay, maybe I'll back up for a second. Yep. Yes, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm basically done racing, like I said, pro cyclocross after Pan Am. So this upcoming weekend. Um, and I think like, don't get me wrong. I'm probably, I already told people I was going to race the, the BC provincial championships two weeks after that. And I'm sure that I'll be like there, thereabouts at lots of local stuff next year. But as far as traveling long distances to go do cyclocross races, that's, um, you know, this, this season's kind of it for it. Um, mm -hmm. you know, but that said, I'm also going to remain really, really involved in the community. Like I'm, I'm stepping into the cycling Canada role as the national team coach there. So funnily enough, I'm still going to be in Europe and I'm still going to, for Christmas cross, and I'm still going to be at the world championships, just in like <laughs> yeah. a totally different position from what I've, what I've been doing before racing. Um, but yeah, maybe getting to that question, like, how do you know it's the right time? And I fall I don't know. Still some, I think sometimes I still go, you know, is this the right time? But you just got to make those decisions and, and stick with them. I guess I always said when I started racing years and years ago that I wanted to kind of 
like end things on my own terms. I saw too many people that I, I knew sort of like have to step away from the sport either because this, you know, the sponsorship dried up or the results weren't there or health kind of like got in the way. And I guess for me, I just saw that and I was like, you know, I don't, I don't want that for myself. I want to be able to sort of call my shot and say, I'm going to go out and I'm going to finish doing this thing that I've invested 10 years in on my own terms Mm -hmm. and then go to the next thing. And like, I still don't know if that's the right decision, right? Like that's what I'm doing. I wish it was like you woke up one day and you were absolutely certain about what the next step was. But I I found that most of life isn't really like that, right? (laughs) You just kind of like make a decision and stumble in the other direction from what you're doing before. And a lot of times it works out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting. It's Uh, interesting. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. And do you feel like, make finishing this season like on your own term did you come in with a different mindset did you feel like every race had more importance or like how how was it or was it even different this year when you approached like each the season i guess yeah it was yes and no i think it was different in the sense that i had sort of realized maybe in the past that like or in the past, maybe I'd almost been putting more pressure on myself. I felt like, you know, if I was going to keep doing this every year had to be better than the last. And in a lot of ways, knowing this was the last season, it was like, you know what? I think at this point, I'm 31. At this point in my cross career, I've raced all these races a bunch of times. I've gone to worlds a bunch of times. In a lot of ways, I kind of know what I am as far as being a racer. Like I know what I'm, what I can do. And there's probably not going to be any huge breakthroughs. So like, all I can ask of myself is to go and enjoy being at the races and give absolutely everything, everything I have. Right. The Mm -hmm. the only, the only, I guess, commitment I made to myself was like, don't feel like you left there in anything on the table in this last year. Don't, don't, not that I, you know, you never try to give up in races, but when you're having those like little, like, Oh, this race is going so poorly. What am I doing here? Why am I out here? It's like, yeah, we you know, all this, have is, it. this is the last time. Like, I'm just, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to, if I finish the race and I, you know, tried my hardest, which I almost cringe a little bit saying, but like, if I gave everything I had, like, what else do you want? What else can I possibly yep. want for myself? Yeah, no, it's, it's cool. And I, I think sometimes it, it's true. Like I also have these moments sometimes when it's like, everything's going wrong and, so you don't give up necessarily, but sometimes maybe for a few laps, you're kind of just riding around and then like you're able to pick yourself up and then you finish hard or whatever. But yeah, they're not the best. Like, and, and I think if you do have that realization, well, actually, this is the last time I'm doing this race, so I might as well <laughs> like make the most of it. I think it's, yeah, I think it's something special. Um, and 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 the fact that your family came with you this this whole season did that make everything a little bit more special i thought it was cool because i mean we've known each other for a long a long time but i had never met your wife um she's so cool by the way but was it fun for you to have her at all the races and and i'm sure like it might have been sometimes a challenge having a little baby like by the way the the most happy baby ever (laughs) like was it how was that and and is that something that you had planned that you wanted for your last season yeah i think so yeah maybe to fill in the gap so my wife and and i have a seven month old and we basically 
did the entire first like five weeks of the the race season in a trailer um like a 25 foot travel trailer pulled behind my truck and like stayed at the races and for sure i'm not going to sit here and be like oh it was like 100 percent smooth sailing but by and large it was an awesome experience and i'm so happy we did it um and i think as far as like a kind of bookending my my racing career my very first season i went to europe um as an elite was 2014, I think. And Kira came with me. Like, you know, we were renting a place then and we like finished off our rental agreement, packed up, moved to Belgium for three months, something like that. And like, she was kind of part of that experience. And a lot of ways then I was sort of jumping headfirst in, like not really knowing what I was doing. You know, I was yeah. just out of university. We were like newly married. We didn't really have very much money. I definitely wasn't making any money riding bikes, right? Um, (laughs) So it's kind of cool that now, nine, ten years later, it's like almost full circle. You know, we're at very different stages in our lives. We have the kid now, but she really hasn't been able to come to very many races in between now and then just because, you know, she's a teacher. That's kind of when school's at its busiest. Mm -hmm. And she's been like so supportive of my cycling career the entire time i would have never i don't think i ever would have been able to do it without kira kind of in my corner like supporting me enabling me to go to all these races encouraging me when i'm like why am i doing this sport it's terrible you know yeah so yeah it just was really really awesome to have her there and you know i know that rowan will never remember that he was at all these races and and he was around but like we can show him the photos we can tell him he was there and it's it's just awesome cool. to be able to like share that time with him. You know, he's our yeah. first child. Yeah. I'd be I'd be curious to ask her, to ask Kira what she thought about kind of the difference, you know, that first year and now. Have you guys talked about that? Like how, you know, not kind of not going to the races all these years and then seeing like where you're at now and like you being at the front of the ra- these races and everyone at the races wanting to come say hi to Mike because you're one of like the, the kind of the stars of the show. Like what did, did she have any thought on that? The, you know what? We haven't did you- really talked specifically about that. That's funny. But I think the thing we did talk about is like, I've made, you know, I've almost made all these like race friends over the past years. And, and, you know, there's a lot of turnover from when, there's not a lot of people I'm racing against now that I started racing against. So I think we both like really enjoyed being able to meet, or I really enjoyed that she was able to meet all these people I'd, I'd met like yourself and like Dave and like so many other people on the cross circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like, you know, that's a whole part of my life. And, and of course we talked about it lots, but it's different actually being there and like being involved in it again. Um, yeah. And Kira's also like, she really likes bike racing. And likes watching bike could, racing and being that. involved yeah. in bike racing. So it's always more fun just to like be involved in the sport when you know kind of the, the people that are there as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. My parents came to Rochester this year. Yeah, Rochester this year. And they hadn't been coming in to races for maybe three, four years. Um, and they had like a similar, yeah, similar reaction like, I remember my mom said like, oh, it's so fun to see you in your, to see you guys in your element. Like we don't, it's like a different side of your life that we, we know, but we don't know about. And it was interesting to, to hear her say that. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess it's true. Like this part of my life, you, 
you know it exists, but you you've never like you're not stepping in in it much. And so seeing that was like interesting for them. And yeah, I guess I had never realized, but it was interesting to hear it from my parents. Um, yeah. All right. But go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna yeah. kind of. I I always think about this because it's you know I would always my my parents are farmers and I'd always go to farm shows. I would go to farm shows with my dad with like with equipment and stuff. And I'd always like kind of be annoyed, but kind of always be in awe how he would like only make it three steps at a time before he runs into other people to talk yeah. to. And then like, <laughs> you know, I think we're probably both the exact same way at bike races. It's like you can kick, get from here to the reg tent. And if you wanted to, it could take like an hour and a half if you're not careful. Oh, yeah. Right. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like we're kind of in our in our sport, in our big extended cyclocross family. Yeah, no, it is fun. It's it's one of the things that I love about it. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's special for sure. You talked about I actually like that's one thing I wanted to talk about. And you mentioned your parents are farmers. How like I want to go back to the beginning <laughs> of it all. And and we don't need to go like super deep or like super long. But I'm just curious, how does a young boy from Manitoba get into cyclocross? Like. I don't know anyone else in Manitoba that races cyclocross. <laughs> how did you even come to know about cyclocross? Like, how did it happen? Yeah. the the Whenever I say this story out loud, I realize how, like, improbable it actually is, I guess, that so yeah. many things just kind of worked out and fell into place to end up being a cross racer. But, yeah, like you said, my parents are, are farmers in Manitoba, which, if I don't know how many of your listeners aren't Canadian, but like dead center of Canada, basically about, a, and then about a hundred kilometers north of the U S border and really flat. Like it's, it's, it's grain growing land basically. So as you can imagine, there's not like, there's definitely people who ride there. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like this huge cycling culture that maybe you would have in some other places. Um, but even when I was a little kid, I just kind of like something I, I've realized lately is, I think endurance athletes find out they're going to be endurance athletes, whether someone shows them that or not. Right. It's like when you're, when we're, when we're doing what we did the beep test in gym class and I was always the kid that loved the beep test, even if I wasn't yeah. doing super well at it. Like I love the competition. I loved when we did running events. So you just kind of naturally gravitate to that. So I was also the kid who like lived on the farm and, and loved riding the th- 10 or 15 kilometers or whatever it was to school. Like that's just what I did because I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my, my oldest brother ended up going to Ottawa for university and started bike racing. And I would just like have these phone calls with him. And it was like unveiling this world. I knew nothing about, right? Like I didn't even know people raced bikes and I would talk to him and he would like tell me about criteriums and road races and time trials and all this stuff that I was like, Whoa, like I didn't know you could do this. Hmm. Um, and I ended up buying a road bike from him. So kind of messed around a little bit, got connected. I think the first race I ever did was like one of those MS bike rides. And I did it in, in spandex, but I was like too embarrassed to wear spandex. I wore athletic baggy shorts over top of it (laughs) because I was 16 and I was like, Oh, I can't wear spandex. That's weird. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I did it on a triathlon bike that I had borrowed from like this guy who worked at the shop. Uh, and I, we ended up doing this MS bike ride and I like finished with, I guess I didn't really think of it, but like finished with all these people that like trained to be road cyclists and we don't, yeah. took it pretty seriously. And after one of them 
like phoned the Manitoba provincial coach and was like, Hey, there's this kid from Brandon, which is like kind of removed from Winnipeg where all the, the provincial stuff is and like, he's pretty good at bikes and he clearly has no idea what he's doing. Wow. Um, so I got connected with them. Sorry, this was supposed to be a short story and it's ended up being a long story. No, no, no. I mean, um, go as long as you want. For me, that's super. I, I actually can't believe I don't know all of that yet. So, so and I, I'm sure, I know you I know you said it probably in many interviews, but it's still, I don't know. It's still cool to know. No, I kind of forget this part of the, the story. So I, I got connected with him. Um, and then I think I was like 17 or 18 and like didn't really do much with the provincial pro program. Went straight away to college in Edmonton. And then for whatever reason, Edmonton had, they still have a midweek cross race and it was happening like down the road from where I was going to school. So I just like, I just jumped in and did it. I'd only really raced mountain bike to that point. I think the first few races I did were, were just on a mountain bike. But as soon as I did that, I was just like, oh, this is, it's like, we just say, but like, I was like, oh, this is the, like, this is the discipline for me. I'm best at this. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. There's turning, there's sprinting. And I went and bought a cyclocross frame. It was like one of those old aluminum Santa Cruz stigmatas and took all the parts off my road bike and put them on the cross bike and like raced the first season like that. And then it would That's become so cool. spring and I would take all the parts off my cross bike and put them back on the road bike. Cause I, I, mean, I was a university <laughs> student, right? Yeah. Um, and then I'd go race the road. And I think I did that for That's a couple so cool. years. Um, so what years were that? Uh, that was probably 2010 and 2011. Okay. And then I so think you started pretty late then. Like, yeah, I didn't. I never yeah. raced cross until I was in university. So it would have been my like maybe first or second year as an under 23. Yeah. Um, and then in my second, it would be my first year as an under 23. And then my second year as an under 23, I think I like upgraded to elite in the local fields and was racing pretty well and like had just come off a race where maybe I got like a local elite podium. And I remember phoning my parents up um, and telling them about this. And nationals were in Toronto that year. And my oldest brother was going to go to them uh, as a cross racer. And my dad was basically like, well, we have all these air mile points from the farm. Like we get them when we buy tires and stuff. Do you just want to go to nationals? So I flew to nationals on my dad's air miles points. And my brother picked me up from awesome. the airport. And I like showed up again i probably was running like 50 psi or something my tires right but like didn't really know what yeah, i was yeah. doing um i don't even remember what i got maybe like seventh or tenth or something like that like a a fine result but nothing really to yeah to be super excited about um but at that event i actually met a guy named sean adamson who was connected to cycle smart he was a cycle smart coach so that's adam Meyerson. And yep. that was probably like, there's probably a couple things that allowed me to be a cross racer. And one of them was meeting Sean and getting connected to Cycle Smart. Because that was really the first thing that opened, opened the door to like, you're kind of in the in of this is what cyclocross is. When you start, yep. when you start talking to, when you start being connected to Adam, he just, you know, he's been in New England forever. And I think it was the f f year and a half later I actually went and lived at Adam's house for three months and raced all the New England races and like really kind of got ingrained in the sport and like picked up a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that I, I guess I now 
share with other people, right? And still use. So can we talk about that move actually? Like I, I thought, you know, when we, you, you, you kind of shared that story at one of the meet and greets earlier this year. And the way you said it was like, I just thought I, I wanted to be a cross racer. And I said, well, I think this is the way to do it. I'm moving there. And you took a big risk basically. And how, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that decision? And it turned out, as you said, like that was the, the one, one of the things that really allowed you to become a pro racer, but you had to like kind of put it all on the put it all the eggs in one basket right yeah yeah absolutely i think there's kind of two different points where i did something like that and both times like you said it was a big risk i didn't really know what i was getting into didn't really know what i was doing and both times both going to new england and then spending that first chunk of the season in europe like i didn't race very well at the start it was really hard i was like kind of discouraged but by the time each one of those trips, obviously they're different experiences, but by the time each one of those trips was over, I'd sort of like figured it out. And if I look at the performance, like as far as being a racer, the biggest steps I ever made in performance, it was like in the years following each of those. So okay. I don't know if there's like a lesson there beyond put yourself in uncomfortable situations and see what happens, right? But I'm really thankful I did. And I think if even if it hadn't worked out, you know, this is looking back and rewriting history loud. But I think even if they hadn't worked out, I would rather find out that I wasn't cut out to be a bike racer sooner rather than later. Right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. But so there's th- something interesting you just said there where it's after those big leaps. So after that living with Adam Meyerson and then after. So also, how long later was it that you went to Europe for three months? Um, I think two years. I think I okay. went and lived with Adam for a season. Yeah. Came back and won my last, I, I won a national title, like my last year's U23. So I won a U23 nationals then. Yeah. Um, and then the next year I didn't go to Europe or anything. I just like, I, I didn't race that much. I finished my degree. And then the following year when I was done school, Kier and I, we'd gotten married. We picked up and went to Europe for a few months, but Yeah. The year coming, I guess two things. As one, the year after I went to Adam, I got my first, lived with Adam, I got my first UCI podium, not when I was living with Adam, but the year following. But I 100% attribute it to like basically having a full year to digest all of these things that I picked up there and a full another year of training and a full year of like seeing what the best, or at least the best in North America, you know, I got to see the speed of that. And there's something frightening about that but also really motivating right it's you don't if you can constantly look at yourself versus the people who are the best and maybe even spend like five minutes of a lap following them i think it's also more attainable Mm -hmm. totally if you if you can't see it at all absolutely but i do think it's interesting the way you you can you can like point that it's following those experiences that you improve the most and sometimes Yeah, actually, like David and I were talking about that earlier. I remember when I was younger, all I wanted to, well, all I wanted was to go race in Europe. And I think now I'm speaking with a lot of younger athletes that all they want is go to Europe. And I think it's awesome to go, like, because as you said, you get exposed to it, you kind of struggle. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's never easy. And you kind of get 
I mean, at, at least I did like get my ass ended to me a few times and it's humbling, but then you come back and I think what's interesting is coming back and like being able to hone your skills afterwards. Like, because I think some people want to go always and always and always, but, and I don't know what is the right recipe and probably for everyone it's different, but what I find interesting in what you say, and I think what I've learned, what worked for me anyway, is like being exposed, but also then coming back to the North American level and trying to hone these skills and then trying to see how it's like to be at the front of races and then building a little bit of confidence here. And then, okay, I think I'm okay. Let's try again. Oh, mm -hmm. it's better. It's better, but I'm still like, there's still this and this and that, that I need to like come back and like work on. And because I think if you just go to Europe all the time, I think at some point you'll get really good, but also you could also, yeah, just give up because it's so difficult. So I, f I found it interesting what you said of like coming back and that's when you improve the most. And there's actually an interesting, I kind of forgot about this, but the season that Kira and I were in Europe racing, I was having like a bit of a time of it for the first maybe month or so. Like, I don't think I'd finished any races on the lead lap, was struggling a little bit and like, it's tough because you just start going, well, I guess this is what it is. Like, it doesn't matter. I, you know, even in the races, it's, it's hard to push when you're kind of expecting to get pulled. And I don't know why we did it, but we ended up going to a Belgian, like one of the B races, which is essentially a local level Belgian race. Now they're still pretty big and they still have lots of fast people at them, but it's like, I did that race and all of a sudden I was racing again and mm. finished. I don't, I don't know where I finished. It didn't really matter, but I was like racing near the front of the race And it was almost like that was a pivot point for the rest of the season. So I went up hmm. to the high level, kind of took a step down and raced the B race. And I was like, oh, okay, I can do this. I do know how to race my bike. And I think the next race, whether it was the next day or the next weekend, I like finished on the lead lap and I was competing with people. And it was like, it was clearly all confidence and mental at that point. But I needed that chance to like, you know, take a step back, remind myself that I could do it and then go out and tackle it again. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. And uh, yeah, that was actually one of the questions I, I wanted to ask was what in the end, like now that, okay, now you're, you are where you are and what have you found the most valuable, you know, was it learning how to win races in North America or kind of battling in the Europe races, but where the front is sometimes hard to find, you know? both <laughs> yeah yeah that's right? also a good answer that's yeah. also a good answer i i always felt like racing in europe like we said forced me to elevate my game but i also always found that like i think going fast in the middle of a pack and going fast to the front of a pack are two very different skills and yeah. you kind of need to be able to do both of them you know unless you're going to be a prolific winner in in europe which There has never been from North America yet. There have been people who have won races, but there's never been someone who wins everything, right? No, no. Um, you kind of need to be able to do both because it's such a different skill set. And I was never like a prolific winner in North America either. But like I said, being in that front group and like dealing with the way the race plays out, the way the pace is, how it slows and accelerates is so different than chasing, chasing, chasing the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting to to hear your perspective on that. Um okay, now what are 
your best memories of all of it? Oh, that's a great question. I think maybe I'll preface it by saying like some of my toughest moments in cross were actually around nationals. Um, so I think there was probably two years where I went in maybe as the favorite for nationals or at least thinking I could win nationals and totally fell short. Right. Like I just didn't have mm -hmm. a good day. I had bad starts. I didn't race well, all this stuff. Um, and it was mostly because I don't think I was ready to win nationals basically yeah. like i i took myself out of the race because i was amping myself up too much for too much for it and like getting in my head about it but i guess the flip of that is my best memory is the year it did come together like mm -hmm. it was just one of those days where it's maybe i lost enough times that i had learned that it wasn't everything to win nationals and because of that was kind of like able to get into this zone where I was just racing my bike. It didn't matter. Like it could have been, you know, it could have been the Thursday local night cross race or it could have been the national championships and just happened that it was nationals. I was like executing everything. I was in, I was in a flow state. Right. And that still sticks yeah. with me. Like I still think about how I felt that day and how it was just like everything just kind of clicked and you weren't thinking about how you felt or what it was going to be like to win or any of these other things. You were just racing your bike. Yeah, yeah, those are good moments. It's, I love that you talk about that. Like, I also had some nationals where I lost and, like, because of my own self, you know, I made myself lose the race because I panicked or whatever, but I learned so many good lessons from those, those particular nationals because, yeah, I think you put so much importance into, like, that one day and it's a championship and, like, So I feel like the lessons I learned at those races have stuck with me way more than a lot of other races somehow. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I've learned how to win races by losing so many nationals, actually. And yeah, I, I totally yeah. agree. Like, it hurts so much. And sometimes it still hurts to think about those memories, right? Because they were, there's nothing like sitting on the ground after, after a cross race being like, I just don't know what happened. But yeah. <laughs> like you, said, you take so much from it. Um, yeah. I think one of my other all-time favorite memories, and this is actually was like kind of a really, really bittersweet one, is I lost the sprint for Pan Ams when it was in Canada. I remember that. And it was yep. like, it was a close sprint. It was Curtis and I going down the line and like I was maybe half a wheel at most. But it was another one of those moments where like midway through the race, I hadn't of course people have cheered for me before in Europe. It's like, I had never had an experience where it was like the entire crowd had my back like that. I think Curtis had maybe a 10 second gap with two laps to go when we like reconnected on the last lap. And that one lap when I was chasing Curtis is like, it was nothing I'd ever experienced before. It's like, you were just getting pushed along by everyone cheering for you. And it's, you know, even though I didn't win the race, I would have loved to win the race, but even though I didn't, it's still, just one of those memories that like sticks with me. Because again, it wasn't like thinking about how I was feeling. It was just like, I'm just riding my bike and I'm going to get to there. And it's like, all these people were kind of helping me do it along the way. Yeah, oh, that's really cool. It's, I mean, that's why we do, I love hearing that. It's just, yeah, that's why we do it. Um, okay. And now, I mean, I want to talk about your national team, uh, national team coach position. But before that, is there, Anything, I mean, one of the, one of the questions I had was like, 
and and that's maybe kind of a step, a segue through the national team coach position where you will share all of these things to people. But what are some of the, and maybe you said it already because you did say like those th two risks that you took are kind of what made you, the cr like made you become a pro cross racer. But are there any other kind of big decisions that you made at some point through your career that you feel allowed you to progress the most? Like looking back, When were when did you progress the most, and what allowed that? Yeah, it's it's a tough question because I I think in a lot of ways, like you said, there's those two kind of trips I took, those two like stepping out of my comfort zone. But in a lot of ways, like I was never that. I got kind of a late start to the sport. wasn't a great junior. wasn't really that great of a U23 for my first couple of years. But I just liked bikes and kind of kept plugging away at it. And mm -hmm. the more I like have been involved in the sport i almost think that liking loving loving riding and loving training and loving trying to get the most out of yourself that's so much more important than than talent right yeah it's, oh, yeah. it's nice to be talented but it, if you're just talented and you don't love what you're doing and loving what you're doing it's not always going to be like believe me i don't always want to get on my bike and train but loving like the overarching process of it and being outside and like for me it was always about realizing that, like I enjoy racing and I want to get the most out of myself but I also just love exploring new places and riding my bike and seeing all this like cool stuff and that kind of motivated me so maybe the lesson is like whatever you're going to do in cycling just make sure you can't lose track of why you got into it in the first place right yeah yeah um No, I didn't get well into said. it to race cross necessarily, and that's where it took me. But I got into it to ride cool places and meet people and like push myself. Yeah, cool. Um, okay, and now, I mean, you're the national team coach, uh, which is awesome, by the way. Uh, so for people to, I mean, some people might think that this means that you're now coaching every single athlete on the national team, but... I don't think that's the role. Can you explain a little bit what the role is Quick, quickly, just so people know? My real question is, what are your goals with that new position? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the role of National Name Coach is basically Cycling Canada has, and has for probably 10 years at this point in time, run projects to support athletes as they're going to Europe. And typically these projects are geared towards athletes who wouldn't otherwise really be able to go to Europe. It's quite logistically challenging, especially if you haven't been there a bunch already. Like, I don't know if you ever, did you ever do any Cycling Canada projects for Christmas Cross Megalie? No, never with, never 100% mm -hmm. with that, the national team because I, I was always lucky to have a team that brought me over there. Mm -hmm. so, or the team would not allow me to go at all. <laughs> so <laughs> it was one or the other. Right, you're right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but there are lots of athletes out there like myself. I took full advantage of Christmas cross projects who go into Europe without national team support would be like a, a logistical and expense nightmare. So we yeah. kind of try to help it's geared towards juniors and U23s for the Christmas cross project. Try to help some of those riders get there and get those experiences. And like you said, it's not necessarily, we've had some amazing kind of just had some amazing performances for sure but it's not necessarily necessarily a performance oriented trip it's about hey this is racing in europe this is what it's like now how are you going to take that and you know and learn from it basically yeah um and then the world's project is a little different in the sense that it is a performance oriented trip right like 
we had a world Canada had a world champion last year. That's crazy. I would have never imagined crazy. that would have been possible when I started. No. Um, so that project again, running as the Federation, that one encompasses more athletes, um, you know, because you kind of have to be aligned with the Federation to, to race worlds. Um, but still it's everything from like organizing the mechanics to helping people with their training sessions. If they're not sure what they're doing, guiding, especially the younger athletes through like equipment selection choices that can be pretty daunting to just making sure that everything runs. So it's, it's definitely a coaching role. It's also definitely a little bit of like a logistics and, and yeah. keeping everyone in line and helping everyone keep their spirits up and helping people like figure out what they're supposed to be doing role. And what, yeah, what is, what are your goals? Like, what are the, the things that you want to share the most? Because I feel like you've always been already, you know, for a few years, you were already the one with the most experience on these trips on the national team. And you were already mentoring a lot of the athletes. Um, is that one of, like, yeah, what are your, what are your goals? Like, what do you want to share with these athletes? What do you want to show them? What do you want them to learn, I guess? Yeah, I guess that's kind of, in some ways, like a two-part answer for me is one is when I'm there is you know, I've just been to Europe enough times. I want to make, I've made tons of mistakes and new athletes are going to make tons of mistakes for sure. But just be able to help people as much as possible. Like there's so many weird nuances to racing cyclocross in general, let alone racing in Europe. You know, I came from a family where my parents had no idea about cross and I was a little bit older and I went into the sport having no idea. But thanks to like mentors who took me under their wing, I figured a lot of it out. So I think there's a certain amount of like being in this role allows me to do that for as many athletes as possible. Mm -hmm. um, the other part of my role that I see is right now we have had so much success in Canada and cross, but it's still been a little bit regionalized. How can I take that and spread it to even more communities? You know, I really think that like the growth of, of any cycling discipline, but cross comes from sort of strong local scenes where people yeah. can see, okay, this is how you take the next step and have a path to progressing to, you know, the USCX series, to North American World Cups, to Europe, to the World Championships. Um, mm -hmm. And there's definitely some communities in Canada have done a really phenomenal job with that. I think we can look at like the whole hardwood program. Yep. Um, it's like, how do we find more of those so that everyone has a chance to be like, okay, there's someone in my community who has raced a bunch of UCI stuff who does kind of know what they're doing. And, you know, I was able to race with them for three laps. So maybe I can do that same thing. Or I was able to learn from them this pre-ride or whatever it is. So I think if I can be successful and just like helping facilitate some more of these local hubs, that's just going to lead to more athletes who are able to race, you know, the North American UCI races, more athletes are able to do these Christmas trips and, you know, mm -hmm. hire, like I said, it's been such a difference between 10 years ago where basically no one on the cycling can trips was able to finish on the lead lap to now having a world champion. Like, but I still think there's so much more we can do to just have more, more athletes from more parts of the country who are exposed to that even earlier. Yeah, I agree. You know, I was talking with, um, I think that's an awesome goal, by the way. And I was talking with Lucinda actually about that. And she was telling me, for example, in the Netherlands, each village has a cycling club and the club 
yeah, they introduced the athletes to each discipline. So like in the fall, everyone races cyclo, like does cyclocross and everyone does a little bit of road, a little bit of mountain bike, a little bit of this. And she, she was saying like, you know, I don't think we have more great racer in the Netherlands. I just think, I think you probably have as many amazing people that could be really good in Canada. They just don't know about it. They mm-hmm. like, just have never been introduced to cycling or to cyclocross or to anything like that. And I think she was right. I was like, well, yeah, I guess like we are all introduced to hockey or whatever else, but well, yeah. it's like just being, in, being able to, and that's, I guess that's partly why I wanted to ask you how in the world did you discover cyclocross? Because I'm always intrigued of that story for people because it's rare. You know, when I think maybe I missed a step actually, when I talked about that is I, I, sort of grew up racing cyclocross in the Alberta scene. But one of the things we had in the Alberta scene was a few riders, um, Aaron Schooler, and then a little bit later, Mark McConnell, and a little bit before that, a couple U23s, Mike Bidniak and Dave Larson, who had all gone to Europe, been on national championships podiums. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, they were like the local heroes, but they were also a much more attainable... Like, hey, I can actually race against these people level mm-hmm. as opposed to just watching behind the barriers with Jeremy Powers. I think had I not been able to go to the local race and race against the Aaron Schoolers and the Mark McConnells and those guys of the world, I wouldn't have known it was possible to go somewhere else and race against, you know, the Jeremy Powers of the world. Hmm. I wouldn't yeah, that's have, interesting. Yeah, yeah it, it's crazy how the local scene is so important and sometimes i feel bad because i'm not very present on the local scene nowadays but i did that's where i started too like that's how i discovered the sport and i think for a lot of people that's where it starts so it's but so even, important to the foundation of it all i think even like even having you around right there's something to be said too for riders you know being from Quebec or the same area as like as you being like okay well if Megali can do it like why can't I with the home mm-hmm. grins like well if, if two Canadian riders can go one two at Worlds it's like it's just seeing someone from the same place as you who's had some of the same experiences as you being able to do it I think it opens the door to other athletes being well you know why can't I then because that's different than seeing Absolutely. well you know this person Matthew Vanderpool who's you know, the son of a professional cross race or professional racer, the grandson of a professional racer. Yeah. Of course he's going to be good. Like I can't be yeah. that, but yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's awesome. I'm excited to see what you can do. And I, I also think like, sometimes I think about that. It's such a specific experience that we gain doing what we do for 10 years, 10 plus years. And I mean, I think part of that experience is useful in every aspect of life, like getting to know yourself, understanding how you deal with stress and improving that or, you know, being able to perform under pressure and being able to work hard towards a goal. Like these are all skills that I think are you can apply to a lot of things, but there are also a lot of very specific stuff that sometimes I think like. I mean, I spent years learning that, and if I don't pass it along, it's wasted. I just hope that it, if you pass it along, maybe someone else's journey gets a little bit easier, a little bit quicker, and I, I don't know. Uh, so I, I, I do admire you for taking that role, and I think the, the kids are in good hands, so it's really cool that, that you're doing that. 
Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Is there anything else that you would like to share about your awesome career or like, or what, what's next for you? Or like, yeah, is there anything else that, that I don't know, that you're particular, particularly proud of or happy that you learned or that anything that you would like to share about, about your career that I didn't touch on? You know, no, I think you did a pretty, we did a pretty comprehensive thing there. I mean, Maybe there's some irony that maybe the thing I'll be the most famous for is dislocating a finger, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> that's that's what yeah. it is. Yeah. Cool. Um, um, and then looking, yeah, looking ahead. I mean, you did say you would still be racing. So, are we talking? Uh, you're going to be on the gravel scene again? Yeah, I yeah, I'll be doing, I'll be doing some gravel this next coming. I I think I realized pretty quickly that I was not going to be able to be a not competitive person as soon as I even thought about, you know, taking the cycling candor role, I went, okay, I'm still, I need the, like this competitive outlet in my life for yeah. at least right now or I'll, I'll go a little bit crazy. Um, so I'll be doing some gravel next year. It was really important to me, even so far with the gravel I've done that, like, like I said before, one of the reasons I got into cycling in the first place was because I wanted to explore these new places and like go do things I hadn't done before. Um, and more than the racing, I think that was kind of the appeal to me is like, I want to go do the gravel races that were in places I hadn't been able to experience. And it was like kind of just a good excuse to do it, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but also just like looking for, for some new challenges. Like I said, there's a certain element in cross where I've realized I, I knew what I was. Um, so why don't I do something else and see, For, for some of my racing and see what I can why, what I can do in that scene. I won't be doing the Lifetime Grand Prix or anything like that. It'll be a little more toned down, but I'll certainly be around for a lot nice. of the gravel calendar. That, that's awesome. And I, I love to hear that it's your decision too. I think we've seen like some athletes that have been kind of quote-unquote forced, you know, to move mm -hmm. on to the another discipline. But yeah, I mean, it looks like already you had some fun doing some really cool gravel races. So I'm I'm stoked to hear that it's your decision. You 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 were able in the end to do it on your terms, which is admirable. So yeah, congrats, congrats on the whole on on the everything. Yeah, thank you very much. Cool. Um, I mean, I think I think that's it. So good luck at Panams. I won't be there, but we will be cheering. Now, one last question: What happens if you win Panams? <laughs> Great question. Um, a few people have already been like, so if you win, you're going to keep racing, right? And I was like, no. I Well, I don't know. No. <laughs> no, yeah. I think I'll stick to, my, stick to my plan. But, I mean, that would be the dream scenario, of course. It's the, it's the title that I... Maybe the one, like, I, I've been second and third. I've been close to it before, and I've never gotten there. That would yeah. be such an incredible way to finish, but... Like I said, my goals for this last season are really more along the lines of like, if I show up on the on the start line and I've prepared as best I can, and I go out and there out there and like do everything I can, that's success. All I want to do is leave that race with no regrets about either how I prepared or how I sort of raced within it. So and you won't have like you you're you're still gonna have that mindset. Like even if you're. I mean, I'm I'm kind of joking, half joking, but like, if if, what if like you're about to rate, about to win, you know, like it will will 
a part of you say like, oh my God, I can't win or, <laughs> you know, like, do you think that will happen <laughs> or you're just going to be like going full on still? I think I'll be going full on. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't actually know what to expect from myself. I'm not like generally a very emotional person. So I, I don't know if I'll cross the line and be like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, we'll be watching. I, I'm excited for it. I, I mean, you have it. The, the truth is, you do have a shot. So um, it will be. It will be fun. And either way, um, you can be proud of everything. I think you have grown cyclocross in Canada. So thank you for that. And yeah, uh, I think you. Congrats huh. on everything. Thank you, and safe travels to Europe. That's coming up quick for you. Yeah, very quick. Thank you. <laughs> I'm excited for it. Awesome. Um, well, thank you, Mike. Thank you again, Mike. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I really enjoyed this conversation with Mike. I think once it finished, David and I were chatting. I was telling him what his Mike was saying. And I think, think ultimately one of the gifts of being able to do a professional sports pursuit, pursuit being fully involved in it is that it allows you to put everything that you have into one goal where you care so much and you just do everything you can to be part of it and it's just like a special thing to be that much involved into a certain pursuit and I think it allows you to just learn a lot about yourself and yeah maybe that is the gift and Mike said it I think if you are you know those the defeats that he had or the wins that he had at nationals they meant so much to him and they remind him so many good memories because he was as involved and because he cared so much and i think that's beautiful it's a good reminder for me and hopefully for everyone else that it's just uh it's worth it to put everything into one thing because it brings the best out of you and it creates good memories anyway that's it for this week Next time we speak, we will be in Europe. Um, David, are le- David and I are leaving in one week, a little bit less than one week. And our first race will be maybe the Neil Super Prestige and definitely the next day, the Dendermonde World Cup. So see you next time. Thank you for listening. Ciao.